Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined by today or joined today as usual by Mr. Chris S. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are your words today? Uh, it seems like words are hard today for me. So uh, it's just I've read that, I don't know, what, 31 times now? And for some reason, I am I am today joined. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> had doctor's appointment today, lots of coffee, so, you know. Oh, you're on <sighs> decompressed because we're doing it in the afternoon this time. I get you. Yeah, yeah, I'm not waking up this time. This time I'm, like, you know, cooling off, so. Uh, All righty. So, as far as I'm doing, um, yeah, life has been great. Uh, you know, a lot of stepping stones lately. The Lord has been guiding me, uh, dealing with new people and, you know, just some challenges along the way, but I've been able to prevail thanks to the Lord and I'm forever grateful for him and feel strengthened by him for that. Well, that's, that's great to hear. And we're going to be doing a study today about persevering in the Lord. So, uh, we talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. Uh, we've kind of been neglecting this section lately because it really hasn't been a whole lot of new stuff, but we wanted to take a minute and I'm going to go a little bit out of order here, Chris, but I wanted to talk about, just the tragedy that's been striking in Afghanistan of these people trying to get out. And I mean, if you've been at all plugged in like minimally, you'd know that people are like falling off of airplanes trying to get out of there. And this is just, it's a tragedy and it's horrible to see. It's horrible to hear about, um, to think stuff like this happens in these days. And I just wanted to remind everyone about this so that you could take a minute to pray about just helping these people out that God would protect the people, the Christians, the believers over there that, you know, are trying to follow in his, in his ways. And I just would like everyone to keep them in our prayers. I know they're not here in America, but we need to care about our brothers and sisters around the world. So around the world and here too, before a lot of us want to step into it politically it's best to hear and adhere toward what the word is of those who have been personally affected even here uh, just throughout the entire struggle over the years in that region. Yeah, They're going to have a perspective that is going to be so much different than anything else you're going to hear through the news. And it's on so much more of a personable level. Those are the best people to connect to right now because they're going to need it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, as far as local goes, I guess it's global still, but there's talks about this Delta variant coming out. And I wanted to revisit the vaccine thing again, since we've talked about that several times. And I very oh much boy. still stand. <laughs> oh boy. Hot topic. I very much still stand that this is a personal condition thing. Uh, there's plenty of information, both sides of it on this, this vaccine, whether it's good or bad for you. And I believe it's completely up to you as the individual to decide whether you should get the vaccine or not. You know, I'm all for thinking about others, but there's also, you know, if for whatever reason you end up being one of the people who gets sick off of the vaccine itself and you, you know, are incapacitated because of it. And there's people that depend on you. I understand that too. So I, as things, as there's heated up discussion about shutdown, not to shut down, I think as Christians, we really need to come at this from what is God calling us to do right now? 
what, how is he calling us to react to this? You know? So you have anything to add to that? I think in a different uh, point of view on that is the most reasonable thing to do uh, because it varies with anyone. Right. Yeah. So we're not going to, you're not going to hear me and Justin go out of our way to say, don't do this, do this because we ourselves are completely different people who don't have to be in your shoes, whether or not that goes good or bad. So it's all, there's so many different factors into that. I could tell you all day that if that thing, if if the vaccine itself is in is affected by the environment, by heat or exposure, even in the slightest, it could do something harmful. But at the same Mm -hmm. time I could say, or it could save your life. If you live in a city setting and it's in a proper way, it, it can go either way. And we just want to be able to pray for anyone that, has had to confront this mm-hmm. in any yeah, standpoint, and, and, good or bad. It's just it's one big bad thing, right? So we should yeah. be able to come together and be able to analyze it and cope with it however we're going to be dealing with this. Yeah, yeah. And just, just know as our listeners, we pray for you that God gives you guidance on this subject because like Chris said, there's so many factors that go into your individual uh, setting that could change whether you – decide to get this vaccine or not. So uh, just be prayerful about it. So let's recap last episode, Daniel chapter two. Yes. And we were, he were talking about a dream that deeply troubled the great King of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Do you remember what that dream was? Mostly. Uh, Mostly? (laughs) uh, Well, regardless of what his dream was, I do remember the fact that, well, it did have to do with the power of the influence of the Lord and God's yeah. presence. And he did not know how yeah. to interpret it. So he took his top scholars and essentially told them, now you must tell me what my dream was without them even knowing had him executed. Uh, but the Lord came to Daniel and he yeah. said, hey, this is what you need to be doing here now that you're in Babylon. And conveyed the entire dream of what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was. Uh, Daniel was able to convey it perfectly to Nebuchadnezzar, Mm -hmm. the king of Babylon. And that's essentially what went down. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the details in the dream, Nebuchadnezzar seen this great statue, which basically gave a, a, a prophetic history of how the world was going to go for the next few hundred years, talking about the empires that were going to come up after Babylon. And then ultimately what will happen in the very far flung end times when all human governments will be shattered and destroyed by God's kingdom. So, you know, this is a very troubling dream. And as you, you pointed out, the, the wise men couldn't, interpret it and they couldn't even uh, decipher what it was because Nebuchadnezzar, like you said, didn't say anything, but Daniel was given the dream and the interpretation by God. And as we're going to see moving into today's chapter, Nebuchadnezzar has already forgotten how, how great Daniel's God is. So. Right. Which he had glorified uh, our God as a separate God and respected Daniel greatly for it, put him into a place of power, uh, and his close associates. Yeah. And which essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to listen, we're going to follow a story of his close associates this time. So we'll also talk about why Daniel's not 
in this part of this story. So this is a pretty well-known story. If you're at all familiar with the Bible, it's uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. So are we ready to just dive into scripture here? Daniel chapter three. Yes. And just as a foreground knowledge, one last thing I would like to touch on is that this does, uh, this book of Daniel is often referenced to, for those of you who haven't heard in the previous episodes, to the end times as well, for there is a lot of foresight in uh-huh. our actual human timeline, as Justin was just saying, as like uh, with, the, with the example of it being historically accurate, this dream and everything. So we're going to see a lot of hints as this plays out of who these characters and all these individuals are and how that implements um a someday future Babylon that would take place in the time of revelation. That's the main reason why we're touching up on this. I just wanted to remind everyone of that. Yes. Very good. Thank you. Alrighty. So this is, for those of you who didn't read the episode title, I'm kidding. This is Daniel chapter three. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and breadth, six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, as well as all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. All right. So I noticed that yeah, when you got to the languages part, that kind of threw you a little bit. So we got to remember that Babylon is this kind of conglomerate of a bunch of different nations at this point. So it's a lot like uh, the British Empire or Roman Empire, where they, they very much were taking in all these different groups of people and having them under one form of government. So when it says languages, it's talking oh, about yeah, other, I had to remember other that. countries that are, are taken into Babylon. So they didn't all speak the same things, but Arabic was kind of the common tongue, the trade language, as I mentioned before. So here we see that Nebuchadnezzar is very prideful. So if you remember exactly what the, the dream was from last chapter, it was this statue with different kinds of metals. And uh, I guess Nebuchadnezzar took this as he literally needs to make a statue like that. So uh, it's not quite sure if this is a statue of Baal, the, the God King of 
Babylon, the, the, the God that they worshiped as a nation, or if this was of Nebuchadnezzar, many people say it was Nebuchadnezzar just because of how prideful he is as a person. So this is a, if you don't know what a cubit is, don't feel bad. Most people don't. So this is like a 90 foot tall statue and the base of it's like nine foot by nine foot. So this is a, this is a massive statue. And he uh, put it up on a, uh, so let me get this straight. He put it up on display somewhere that, you know, was very visible. Yeah, no, it was like in the middle of one of his, his most important cities. And, and it was probably, I, I don't know if it's Babylon, but whatever city was his seat of power, I believe this is where the statue was. So I, I don't know for sure. I've didn't look that up, but what it is, is that he's made this image so that, the people of the city and of the nation can worship that image, whether it's of King Nebuchadnezzar or Baal, the god king of Babylon. In the province they of Babylon, can worship, say that. Yeah, yeah, in the province of Babylon. They can worship that image at any time, especially when there's music playing. And then he doesn't have to worry about This is just another control device where it's like, you need to worship this, this statue when all these musics are played and no matter what you're doing, you need to drop what you're doing. You need to go and worship this statue. So as you can tell, if you know anything about ancient Jew literature, then you know that this is not going to go well for the Jews in Babylon, especially any of those who are truly following God. And of course, this is where he's, he's saying anyone who does not, does not, uh, bow down to the statue when the music is played, you're going to get thrown in the fire. And if you remember clear back to episode 29, we talked about Jeremiah 29. This was the, this is the way that Jeremiah said that those people who were telling everyone, Hey, we're not going to be in Babylon long. Don't, don't settle down. This is exactly the kind of uh, execution that Jeremiah was warning about. He's like, you guys are going to get thrown in the fire. So, this is, oh. is a very common. They, they had these large kilns for baking clay work and, and heating up metals and stuff like that. So they would have these large kilns where they would, you know, basically make bricks and, and metal and stuff like that. So it's very easy just to crank it up by adding more fuel to the fire. And then you can use it as a way to execute people as we're about to see. Doesn't that doesn't Jeremiah sort of tie back to what um, Isaiah was saying about us? Not like an insurrection, but more like an erection of something that was to be greater than the Jews are presented as greater in the falsehood that it, it similar to how this false prophet that he was talking about and all that stuff. I, I was just thinking of that. You can look into Isaiah and and try to find a, a direct tie to Jeremiah to Daniel for me. That'd be great. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely dig into that later. I didn't see anything on my first, first way through. So uh, as we know, this is, this is, there's foreshadowing here. Like this, they're literally setting it up. Nebuchadnezzar is going to kill whoever doesn't worship the statue. So, you know, we're about to see someone who will not worship the statue. So, right. Which is also what makes the Bible so great is all the foreshadowing <laughs> you're able to pick up on and then yeah. look back at it and be like, wow, it ended up happening. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you've personally ever seen these, like these, uh, these interlinear maps of the Bible where it has all the little connections drawn with lines, but 
you, you see these, all these connections. And if you read the Bible regularly, you'll start drawing those connections yourself. You'll be like, Hey, this sounds like that time. Or like, didn't I read about this somewhere else? So it, it's very much interesting how interwoven it's, it's one of the world's first hyperlink documents. So it's, it's just amazing how much there is to dig out of this scripture. So well put. Uh, All right. Yeah. I'll start reading. We're starting from verse eight. Therefore, at the time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews, they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning fiery furnace, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then King then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Now, we got we got the setup here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not doing what they were told to do by the people who run the court, and they're getting snitched on. So you'll see this a lot in Daniel, where these the Chaldeans, the satraps, the prefects, all the people in charge of Babylon that are Babylonians, not Jews, tend to have it out for the Jewish people in the court. So we'll see this often where they are they're really jealous of how the Jews have gotten all this, you know, success and they've been awarded all these higher ranking statuses. And since they are trying to just serve themselves, they are jealous of what the these slaves basically is what these Jews are here in the court, even if they are courtsmen. These slaves have, you know, completely blown past them as far as rank. So you'll see that they tend to backbite a lot and they look for any any way they can get the Jews in trouble. So Wow. So we know what? I was just thinking that would totally happen and not to sound weird, but that would oh. totally happen. And it does happen in certain places of power to this date <laughs> when anyone rises above the people that are there systematically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how this, this sort of behavior is still going on. Like this, this it's backbiting basically where you're jealous of the power someone else got, even if they got it, you know, legitimately where you have gotten it illegitimately, this sort of jealousy goes on even today. I mean, look at the halls of Congress. It's, it's bad. So as we know, (laughs) you said it, not me. (laughs) Uh, So as we know, the Jews aren't allowed to worship idols according to the 
Torah. So we see here that the Jews, you know, the religiously convicted, it may be the same here or in any country where you're asked to renounce God, renounce Jesus, or worship a false idol. You should say, no, that's not what we're called to do. And this is where, this is like we've said before in previous podcasts, this is the only time you're allowed to stand up against uh, governments, against people in leadership, is when they tell you you have to do something that blasphemes God or that denies God or puts some other God up on a pedestal over God. So whenever we see this, this is the one time that Jews and us as Christians today are allowed to, you know, rebel and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't have to submit to this because I submit to God. So it it shouldn't even be a factor of being allowed or not. It's more like you're defying my God. Excuse me. Yeah. No, the it's, God it's of all the gods, way. the God of everything, you know, yeah. the, the, among, not among any other gods, but above everything, yeah. you know, you're going to tell me that I can't uh-huh. worship him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and this is going to be the second show of God's power to Nebuchadnezzar. And again, we're going to see he just misses it uh, as we get to the end of the book and, or yeah, until the end of the book. So, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abendo considered death more honorable than worshiping a false god. So we'll see here in their response to Nebuchadnezzar in the next section where they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that because we serve the real God and we're not afraid of you over him. And we aren't allowed to worship false idols. So uh, there's racial tension in, in these court, it says the Chaldeans, the precepts, satraps, and all that. There's racial tension. These are Babylonians or other people from different nations in Babylon that are pretty much racist against the Jews. Like they are Jews, so they don't like them. They are they're, they're singling them out, and it's because, again, as we talked about, they're getting success where these guys haven't seen the same success. And so, much, yeah. And then, and then in the last last line there that we read is like, but if you do not worship yourself, you immediately cast in the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? This is literally Nebuchadnezzar's like challenging God. And if you're new to the Bible, this is never a good thing to do. Like if you challenge God, you're you're either going to live to regret it, or you're going to not live to regret it. <laughs> Right, of being more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Just my Star Wars yeah. reference for the day. All right. <laughs> Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression on his face was changed against Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace, because the king's order was urgent, and the furnace overheated, and 
with the furnace being overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. So, one of those, these moments where you just see how how we're called to uh, be true to God or to, to serve God is just Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are like, hey, our God can definitely deliver us from you. We're not worried about that. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to turn away from our God just to worship a false idol. Like that, that is their flex on, on Nebuchadnezzar. And of course it throws him into a rage. He's like, okay. And then we hear, see this. He did seven times its normal amount. Um, in Arabic, it's an idiom, at least for this time where they would say it's seven times hotter or, or seven times so-and-so. It's just an idiom, meaning uh-huh. that they, they stoked it as hot as they could. It wasn't literally seven times hotter than it normally was. But as we see, it was hot enough to you know kill the guards that were trying to throw Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in. So that's just an idiom. It doesn't literally mean it was seven times hotter um, because – to melt metals in into casting form, it takes a lot of heat. So to actually get seven times hotter, it'd probably melt the furnace. So why were they bound? Well, they were bound up, not because they were like resisting, but they were bound up to prevent what exactly happened from happening. They were bound up so that the guards didn't get caught up and thrown in with them. Cause these kilns are, are these big things where you go in from the top with stuff. So and there's usually a, a door at the bottom for pulling stuff out after it's, you know, cooled off. But to get things in there, especially to throw someone into the furnace, you'd have to throw them in from the top. So they bound these guys up so that they wouldn't get caught up. And of course, it didn't matter. These guys got burned up anyways. So oh. and then we see uh, Christophany or Theophany, uh, whichever it is. Some people believe that every... Uh, theophany is actually Christophany, but we see the the Son of God walking around with them. They protected them in the fire. He's walking around with them in in the midst of the fire, and he's with them. And this is a point where Nebuchadnezzar sees, oh my gosh, their God is truly powerful because his God and no other God he knows of could have kept them from dying in a furnace that's this hot. Especially when you know his own guards were killed just by you know almost falling into this thing or if they did fall in i'm not sure but i just see i just see the lord like looking from upstairs you know in the heavens and he's just like oh what was that i heard that you know who will get you out of the fire now Uh, well yeah yeah (laughs) exactly And, and just just to think that nebuchadnezzar was was arrogant enough and prideful enough to challenge their god after you know, Daniel had shown him. And the real question a lot of people ask is like, hey, where's Daniel? He wouldn't have been worshiping the idol, right? So either he was exempt because he had that that interaction with Nebuchadnezzar from last chapter where Nebuchadnezzar wasn't going to touch him and his belief. And he probably said, hey, king, can't do this. So uh, I'm going to peace out. I'm going to go 
worship the one true God. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Because he had that interaction in the last chapter. He did it as a benefit to Daniel's friends to bring them up. But at this point, he... This is the this is the situation where he learns that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are truly of that same God. So more than likely, either Daniel was off doing something for Nebuchadnezzar in a different country or or a different province or region. Sanctum. I mean, so, in all honesty, yeah. he had he had more power at that rate um, than well, spiritually, he, he always will have more power than um, yeah. Nebuchadnezzar had, though, and that could have protected him as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, though he was probably guaranteed his own sanctum. Yeah, no. So it, whether, yeah, whether whether he was in the area at the time or not, it doesn't matter. He could have been out on business, or he would have been there. I don't think Nebuchadnezzar is so blind that he would dare challenge Daniel at this point, especially so closely right after, because this this is literally happening. He built the statue because of the dream that Daniel interpreted. Like that, that was like, oh. I was the head of gold, so I'm going to build a giant gold statue. Like that was the impetus behind it. You know, he's he's trying to prove that he is this this you know God given king. Which, as we talked about in the last chapter, I think we said that all authority is granted by God, and that was what Nebuchadnezzar was told. So he obviously thinks, "Hey, I am the king, you know, appointed by God, so I can do stuff like this." Well. Obviously, we can't do that with our power if we do ever get power like that. But this is just how God has seen to humble him. And we're going to see another situation later on in Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar is literally brought to his knees to be humbled. So, And I mean, this probably would have been something ideal for him to think or thought of before. Uh, though just the Babylonian way was... Not in agreement with anything the Jews had originally. We've also talked about uh, two episodes ago how um, they were a totalitarian sort of government. Yeah. So they wanted to have everyone accept the way they were, take uh-huh. foreign cultures, and have them, you know, be implemented to look like, hey, everything's okay. You follow our system. They believe in our gods too. Yeah. So that on yeah, that no, note. They- Go ahead. No. Oh. <laughs> I, I was going to say that they, they very much tried to assimilate everyone they brought in. So it was expected of the Jews just to accept this. But as we see, they don't. They don't because they serve the one true God. Yep. All righty. You had anything else to add? Might as well keep <laughs> rolling. Cut you off there. All right. Last, uh, second to last section. No, nope, last section. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted him and set aside the king's demand, uh, command 
and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So it's a happy ending. Uh, so how is that a happy ending? Okay, <laughs> well, it's not. The it's not happy for the guards. Um, I understand. <laughs> the guard, oh, the guards are the brunt of the joke here. But um, oh yeah, as as I'm about to point out, uh, whereas Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo come out of the furnace completely unharmed, their clothes and their hair don't even smell like smoke. And I could see if you're picturing this in contrast, the charred, you know crackling remains of the guards laying there just for contrast, you know, just how hot this is. So God kind of, I, I meant to say that in the last section, like why are they getting thrown in? Why are they mentioning the clothes in this? Well, it's because you're going to see that the guards got burned up, but these guys come out with not even the smell of smoke on them. So that's how powerful our God is. So once again, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, says, oh my gosh, your God is so powerful. And and he creates a dictum that says, you can't say anything against this God because he is so powerful. And and like right there, right there, Nebuchadnezzar is so close to understanding this. And he just misses it, as we'll see in the next section again. But they shall be torn aside and destroyed for their ways. I mean, he's he's got that mindset of... A dictator, and he's got that yeah. mindset of you know a lot of times in the ancient world that uh, um, anyone who opposed was lesser than and was to be tossed aside. Yeah, yeah, and and just we we see Nebuchadnezzar using that that authority, saying like, okay, well these guys serve a more powerful god, so you will die if you do anything to say anything bad about it, you know. So he's just real close. That's not that's not what we're called to do. We're called to serve the one true God and love those who hate us, as I've been talking a lot about lately with our youth. It's one of those things. We're called to be sacrificial loving even for those who don't like us. So Greater yeah. than they hate you too. Yes. Love them right. and uh, exponentially to the point where it almost would make anyone sick. Yeah. Don't pray for that. Yeah. Don't pray to make your enemies mm-hmm. sick. That's not nice. No, no. And that's another thing. We're not, we're not called to pray. Like if you're praying for your enemies, you're not playing for their, their like anything bad to happen to them. You're praying for them to either a good way. I, I pray that they come to know God and that they come to God and, and, see God as he is. It's one of my favorite prayers for people I don't like that much. But a greater thing to do would be to pray for their safety and their well-being and for their profit or success in whatever it is they're doing. So uh, mm-hmm. I tend to just... Hang out with us know, in heaven sometime, man. Yeah, right? Up. Yeah. And it's it's the idea of, of loving others more than they love you. And loving with God's love, not not our human form of love. It's loving with God's love is being that sign to everyone. So uh, you got anything else to add or should I take, do the takeaway for today? Um, well, I'm going to tell you what my 
overall messages first before you do the the, the primary takeaway from the day because you always have great messages with that. Yeah, is I was we see as we see instances like these in personal situations in the Bible and all throughout the world, there is a skewed point of view that we don't want to be as skewed as these people in, right? We're called to love those who oppose us, though it's best to be as God accepts us to accept others for what they are and who they are and to present to them the love of God being greater than anything they could ever seek out. And that, you know, whether they're an enemy or your neighbor, um, it's just good to be a decent, accepting person overall. You might not disagree. You might disagree with a lot of things they do, but to overall present to them the same way that you would a family member, a close friend, and approach them that way instead of with intimidation or fear, because God's always got you. Yeah, you know, He's always got you covered. Um, then you can really work wonders and connect with people in ways that you never thought imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. I, I love that. Um, we, we were talking a little bit about this chapter, but we got off on, on God's love and that's always a great place to land. Um, that's an example what, of God's love. He, right. he, he's like my loyal, I, I mean, in a, in the twisted way, Nebuchadnezzar said it, but these were servants of the Lord that, and uh-huh. the father that, you know, stuck it through till even through a mortal circumstance. And he said, all right, God did. Nebuchadnezzar did too, but he just said, all right. So what I'm going to do about this is, but (laughs) yeah, right. Right. And it's very much just God's love for us. He'll protect us. He'll deliver us in the fire, you know? So, the takeaway that I came up with is no matter what life sends our way, when we stand with God, he will deliver us through hardship. We can walk through the fires of hell with God if that's his will for us. And a lot of this also has to do with, I know we can go through hardships. I know we're not promised sunshine and rainbows and roses. It's, it can be hard at times. We can face terrible loss. We can face terrible persecution, but as long as we stay true to God, even if we die or those around us die, as long as we're in Christ, as long as we're walking with Christ and following God, we will win in the end. That's our entire message, you know, from this, the whole impotence behind this ministry is God wins in the end. And that's something you can hang your hat on. That's what the entire Bible points to is that it doesn't matter what happens here and now, as long as we are with God. That he's always going to be with you. So walk with him through that. You know, there's going to be trials and tribulations as just as you were saying. And you know, it's, it's important to walk in his footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if that's it, I'll wrap us up. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to revelation on demand podcast. Please like share and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from please. If you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelation on demand at gmail.com. God bless and see you next time.